0: Hello and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm chuckling to myself right now because I've been staring at the computer screen all morning trying to get my thoughts down for this podcast topic. And I keep moving on to other little tasks or getting up for a cup of tea. And the funny thing is that this podcast episode is about tackling a task you've been putting off and that's exactly what I've been doing all day <laughs> so I have 45 minutes until my next meeting so I am diving in no more procrastination from me but this experience did remind me of how easy it is to procrastinate and put off tasks and I think it's so applicable to the quilting world too we all have those dreaded tasks in our quilting lives. The ones that hang over your head and make you feel drained just thinking about starting them. For me, it's machine quilting. I don't find any enjoyment in it. It takes me a long time to prepare the quilt for quilting and then to actually do it, I'm not confident in my skills, so I just find the whole experience dreadful and time-consuming. So once I finish a top, it takes me a long time to work up the motivation to quilt it. But there are a variety of tasks that we've heard of quilters putting off, and here are just a few examples. See if any resonate with you. Binding, basting, cleaning your machine, organizing your fabric, pressing units and blocks, ripping papers from foundation pieced blocks, adding a hanging sleeve or a label to the back of your quilt, or trimming a bunch of triangle squares. There are a lot of tedious tasks in quilting, and we're sure there are a few that cause you to push the project aside for another day. But luckily, There's a large body of research out there that suggests that we'll be happier, feel less stressed, and be more creative if we just buckle down and get that task done. It's energizing to finish a task we've been putting off. And isn't that exactly the feeling we want from our hobby? So our staff compiled a list of techniques they've used over the years to help them tackle those tedious tasks. We hope you can employ a few of these techniques in your own life to move through some of those pain points of the quilting process for you. One, do it right away. If you're dreading doing it, you'll continue to find excuses why you can't the longer you wait. So start the dreaded task as soon as you can Don't set the quilt aside and say you'll come back to it next week because next week will become next month and so on. Prioritize it now because as soon as you start the task, the sooner you'll see the light at the end of the tunnel so that you can continue with other parts of the process you like better. Number two, find a friend. If you're doing something you don't want to do, It's much more fun with a buddy. Invite a friend over for a few hours of sewing together. Or make a phone call to family while you're doing the task. Bring the quilt to a retreat. And if none of these things are possible with your task, try turning the TV on or listening to music so you can keep your brain preoccupied as you sew. Number three, be prepared. Sometimes the reason we put a task off is because we don't have the proper tools to make it happen. So in advance of tackling the task, do any shopping you need to for fabrics or supplies so it's all ready when you are. Make sure your workspace and tools are clean and ready to go. Make sure you have the instructions handy and have read through the steps so you aren't being held back by unknowns. Sometimes, a task can be made a lot easier if you just buy the right tool. For example, acrylic templates or rulers of a specific size can help trim or square up units. A spray starch or wool pressing mat can help make pressing more satisfying. A specific machine foot can help with piecing. A little preparation and sometimes a little money can make the process easier. Number four, make mini goals. If the task is large, or maybe it even seems large, you can set yourself up for success by setting smaller goals. For instance, maybe instead of telling yourself you need to bind an entire quilt this week. You break it down, so day one you're cutting and sewing the binding strips. Day two you're pressing the strips. Day three you're sewing the binding to the front of the quilt. And then days four through seven you're hand binding it to the back of the quilt. Any task can seem achievable if you break it down into the smallest steps and then make it fit into your schedule. Number five, write it down. Similar to creating smaller goals to help you finish a task, writing your goals down on paper helps you commit to the process. For example, write down, by August 8th, I will have added a label to my quilt. Hang the paper in your sewing room so you see it often. Once we write something down, Our brain wants to finish it so we can cross an item off the to-do list. Number six, understand why you're putting it off. It takes some guts to dive into why you always put a specific task off, because sometimes the reasons are about more than just quilting. Maybe there are financial reasons why you can't buy the right tools to help do the task. Or maybe you're scared of the technique because you never were taught and feel like you're doing it wrong. Maybe you're a perfectionist and don't want to do something that you're not perfect at. Maybe there are emotional reasons you can't finish a quilt or organize fabric such as the loss of a family member or friend that has close ties to the project at hand. Having the information about why you're putting something off can really help you move past the obstacles or at least give yourself some grace to meet the task where you are in your life and your talents. And number seven, set a timer. Sometimes you just need to bite the bullet and force yourself to work on it. It's easier for our brains to do an unwanted task for short periods of time. So set a timer for 15 minutes, and do as much of the task as you can in that time period. Once the timer goes off, you have permission to keep going on the task if you're in a groove, or quit and move on to something you like better. I find this timer method works really well for me on tedious tasks, like trimming hundreds of triangle squares. I don't want to spend hours and hours trimming, but 15 minutes allows me to make a little progress each day in between other tasks. What other tips do you have for tackling a dreaded sewing task? We'd love to hear about it, so drop us an email at apqpodcast@meredith.com at meredith.com to share. We're so excited to share these tips because this week's Sweet Quilty Home Challenge is to tackle a task you've been putting off. For those who don't know, our Sweet Quilty Home Challenge is something we started last summer as a way to brighten our homes and sewing spaces, and it was so successful that we're bringing it back this year. So the challenge lasts for 10 weeks, it started July 5th and goes through September 12th, and each week we issue a challenge on our podcast and social media pages. If you participate, you can use the hashtag SweetQuiltyHome on Instagram, and you can also visit our show notes for a link to a page on our website where we list details of each week's challenge and a lot of helpful content to get you started. So all the podcast episodes during these 10 weeks are coordinating with the week's challenge, so keep listening in. We're going to take a quick ad break, but hang tight. When we come back, we're sharing some products we're loving as well as some thrifty shopping tips. Welcome back. Now we're doing a segment called What We're Loving, where we share tools and products our staff loves right now. The first product is called the Bit by Bit Stash Builder from Serendipity Woods. So this fabric bundle contains your choice of either 20, 30, or 40 rolls of nine by 10 and a half inch rectangles of fabric. And the fabrics include both small and large prints, florals, stripes, every other kind. It's, it's really a great way to add a variety of fabrics in a specific color to your stash, or even stock up to make a scrappy quilt. And they're packaged so cute that they're hard to resist. <laughs> The next product we're loving is called Magna Fingers. It's a magnetic tool used to pick up pins and needles easily. And we especially love it because it's made by a teenage inventor named Owen Cohen. So good for him for his ingenuity and getting his product out in the world. That's so exciting for him. Basically, the tool functions like a clothespin, you squeeze it to release the magnet and release the pins. And it can hold up to 100 pins, and it's available in a bunch of colors. So it's fun to support Owen and add this handy tool to your collection. The next product is Wonder Pins by Clover. So they're basting pins and really make the process easy because you can do it all with one hand if you need to. The pins are easy to grip with this plastic piece on top of the pin, and then you can just slide it through the layers and then use that same hand to push it back down to lock the pin in place. All the editors love trying this product in the office, and one of them is already using the pins to baste a quilt already. Um, they are a little expensive, Um, So they might work best if you're making a lot of mini quilts or wall hanging size quilts. You'd have to buy quite a few of them if you're doing a lot of throws, but they are so easy and fun to use. And now we have a book recommendation. It's called Urban Quilting by author Wendy Chow. We actually interviewed Wendy on episode 505. So check out that interview to learn more about her. But her book shares 10 modern quilt patterns that feature bold colors and geometric designs. And the patterns are based on cities and structures that Wendy loves. And as a bonus, each pattern comes with three size options so you can make it work for your space. And as a bonus today, we had a product suggestion from a listener that we wanted to share. So this recommendation is from Candace Sanders. And here's what she emailed us. A couple years ago, I was a new quilter. I was having trouble getting the right seam allowances and matching points and corners. A quilty friend suggested I take a class that taught the 10 sisters piecing grid. I loved it. I was successful and I needed a win. This class filled the ticket. I have since started a scrappy quilt using this method and helped my 12-year-old granddaughter make a pillow. I think quilters of all ages and abilities would love to know about this. Thank you for your suggestion, Candace. This is a great product. Basically, it's a lightweight fusible with a printed grid design on it, so you can fuse squares of fabric and place on the grid in whatever design you want, and then use these fold lines on the grid to turn back rows and then sew them with a seam allowance to permanently hold all the pieces together. Of course, it's hard to explain some of these products just over a podcast, so we'll link to all of them in the show notes so you can check them out and see how they work. Next, I'm handing the mic over to Joanna Bergerino, the editor of Quilts & More magazine, for a brand new segment this season. It's called Sew Thrifty, where we share tips and ideas for saving money and reusing items in your sewing room. We hope you enjoy it. Take it away, Joanna.
1: I'm so excited to start this new segment. I've always loved bargain hunting at garage sales and thrift stores, and those thrifty tendencies extend to my sewing as well. The make-do attitude of early quilters who used every scrap of available fabric really inspires me. I'm going to be sharing some of my favorite tips for saving a bit of money while still getting the most enjoyment out of your quilting and sewing. And let's face it, quilting can get expensive, so every little penny you can save is helpful. I figured for our first segment, let's cover one of the most common ways quilters try to save a little money with their hobby, by repurposing secondhand items. Secondhand items are great because they're not only cheaper, but they can also help reduce waste and how much stuff ends up in landfills. Here are five of my favorite things to consider the next time you're at a garage sale or thrift store and you happen to find some quilty objects. Some of the tips are helpful for thrifting in general, but they become even more useful when you're specifically looking to repurpose those sewing materials. So number one, can it be washed? Some materials are easier to clean than others shirts that are machine washable can be thrown in the wash and then cut up to use in quilts a pillow form however that's not in its original packaging can have hidden bugs mold or even bodily fluids i'm sorry i know it's gross but it is true i once went to a garage sale where the seller had fabric that looked clean enough First, it was packaged in individual baggies, and I couldn't see any stains. But upon closer inspection, there was moisture locked in the bags with the fabric, and you know it had been sitting in there a while. I suppose you could have washed it, but I didn't want to take the chance, so I passed on it. The amount of time and effort it would have taken to clean and to convince myself that there was nothing growing in it was more than I would have saved by buying that particular fabric. So, number two. Learn to check for common places where an item might be damaged. Look for things like stains, threadbare spots, and tears. If you're buying a shirt to cut up for a project, for example, you don't want to come home and realize that it has a large stain right where you wanted to cut. If you're repurposing a zipper, make sure it opens and closes properly and that none of the teeth are bent. It's okay to be discerning and to pass on an item that you don't think is salvageable, even if it is a good price. Often it's just not worth the time. Number three, get the most out of your secondhand purchases. Jody, our group editor, actually shared this tip with me. A lot of thrift stores charge one price for a shirt regardless of size. She suggested that if you plan to cut up the clothing, get the largest size you can find to maximize your usable fabric. She's done this in the past for quilts made of used flannel shirts and even jean quilts for charities. I did something similar when looking for wool sweaters to felt in the wash. Because there's so much shrinkage when felting something, I needed the biggest sweater I could find so that I'd have enough material for my project. If you're hoping to recycle, bigger is usually better. Number four, check for sales. Yes, even secondhand stores have sales. Church rummage sales often have fill-a-bag sales, where anything you can put in a bag you get for a particular price, usually at a deep discount. And that can be really helpful if you're planning on making a scrappy t-shirt or scrappy flannel shirt quilt, because you can pile in lots of clothes. Some thrift stores do unique sales on particular days, such as veterans discounts, teacher discounts, senior discounts, you name it. Others have a clearance section so that they can cycle through their donations and put new things on the storefront. If you have a particular store that you like, learn the best days to shop there and prioritize the order in which you go to those stores. And finally, number five, don't forget secondhand notions. You can take most buttons and zippers off any quote-unquote ugly fabric you might find on thrift store racks. I like to look for beaten up handbags that still have good hardware on them. Some bags even have plastic inserts on the bottom that you can take out, wipe clean, and then insert into your own sewn bags to keep them from being too floppy. Just make sure that you're not paying more for the item than the notions you plan to salvage are worth. Again, consider your time and consider whether that bargain really is a bargain in the long run.
0: Thanks so much, Joanna. I loved all your tips. We need to take a quick ad break, but hang tight. We'll be back with a fun interview with a local quilt shop next. Welcome back. Now I'm handing the mic over to Doris Brunette, the editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine, for Love Your Local Quilt Shop, a segment where Doris chats with the quilt shop to highlight the amazing things they're doing for their customers and their community. And, of course, it gives us another quilt shop for our must-visit list. Take it away, Doris.
2: Today I'm talking to Renee Savage, owner of Renee's House of Quilting in Williamsburg, Michigan. Welcome, Renee. It's nice to have this opportunity to chat with you.
3: Thank you, Doris. I'm excited to be here.
2: Great. I know you first opened your shop in 2004. Um, can you tell us a bit about how you came to open and owner a quilt shop? oh well
3: i've been in the textile industry all of my adult life i studied textile and design in college and then uh did not quite finish ended up you know life has its own pathways for us but when my children were little i did a lot of um, dance costumes theater work i just really loved it did custom bridal wedding gowns that sort of thing and of course always sewing for the kids and then when they were old enough. I actually went back to work for Sofro House of Fabrics, but a lot of people don't even know who that is. They've I been gone through, that. Yeah. Really <laughs> nice. And I was a manager of them for almost six years. I left that and went to work for Kmart Corporation as their head personnel and training manager, which gave me a great insight to business. But after six years I had to go back to fabric. So <laughs> So I went to work for the uh, local Burdina dealer and became a machine technician and instructor. And um, one thing led to another and I decided that it was time to open my own shop. And I fell in love with quilting accidentally. Being a a garment sewer, um, I ended up going to Paducah, Kentucky for their big quilt show and classes. And I was there for the full week and fell in love with quilting there. So when it was time to open my own store, I have the best of both worlds because we can still do garments and home deck and- Yes. Quilty, we can do everything with that. So we just decided that uh, this was the way to go. And we've been here for uh, going on 18 years.
2: Yeah, wow, you so, have some um, major sewing experience, especially if you did custom wedding gowns at one oh. time and that so I know there's a lot of quilt owners that have that in their background though quilt shop.
3: It gives you a great appreciation for good fabrics. Yes for sure.
2: (laughs) Can you tell me a bit about the personality of your shop um, and where you're located?
3: We are located in a small little bird called Williamsburg, Michigan which is 15 miles from Traverse City which is a great it's a huge metropolis anymore. We are four miles from Grand Traverse Bay huge tourist hub yes i'm right on the main highway that everybody has to go through to get to this area so we're four miles from one of the most famous golf courses in michigan oh
2: wow that's great
3: (laughs) so we um we found the it's a 1912 farmhouse and we have converted it to be a quilt shop. Now, you would think with the nineteen twelve farmhouse, it would we we would be vintage and reproductions, and we're not. We're just the opposite. we're We're totally uh, contemporary. We have a lot of traditional looking things, but we're much more contemporary with fun, bright, vibrant prints. Uh, uh, when you look, when you come in, it's actually it feels good because it's so bright and cheerful, and the lighting is fabulous. So, uh, if there's no there's no dark corners.
2: That yeah, um, and I noticed that I saw your pictures online, and I noticed that it is very bright and open looking, which is always yeah. a nice thing to to have when you're choosing colors and putting colors together. Oh yes, yeah. Um, our listeners enjoy hearing about the behind-the-scenes work that quilt shops do f- to support nonprofits and community service. Um, I know that Renee's House of Quilting, you support our troops and our veterans. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that.
3: So, my dad was a veteran. Uh, he lost his eyesight during World War II, and. Uh, he never let it slow down and then my brother um retired from seal of command which is the civilian branch of the navy and we have always supported the troops it's it's very important that um we stand behind them <clears throat> excuse me and show our, our respect and we have a lot of we are coast guard based here also so we have a lot of wonderful people that come in that are military. So we give a 15% discount to anyone that comes in. I don't ask for ID. If they tell me they're retired military, I respect that, or if they're active duty. And then we don't do Quilts of Valor in the shop, but we support the people that are doing the Quilts of Valor. We we actually give them Quilted of Valor fabrics at a, a substantial discount uh, if and so we've always done the program if they're by their top and they're backing here, they get their batting at twenty five percent off. Oh, that's so we really, yes. We we have
2: to su- we have to support them. They, yeah, they're, they're a way of supporting the the program. So yes, for sure. And I know that that's not your only service project because I understand um, that you've partnered with the Ottawa Chippewa Tribe in your area to teach sewing. Um, tell us a little bit about that. So this
3: is kind of a really fun story Uh, they approached me many years ago to teach a beginning quilting class and I said oh I would be delighted not only was it going to be good financially but I was sharing my knowledge with all these wonderful people so they came in and they were picking their fabrics for beginning quilting projects And she said oh no no she said we we're not going to do a four patch we're going to do the lone star These women don't even know how to use a rotary cutter yet. They don't even know what a rotary cutter is. And I'm going, you're going to do bias edges? And my heart just sank and I thought, (laughs) and then the light bulb went on. It was, oh my gosh, we can use the Quilt Smart Usable Interfacing for the Lone Star Quilt. They won't have any trouble. It's all straight sewing. So that's what we did so and i learned from them that when they pick their colors they pick certain colors because the colors have meaning in their tradition so they did this entire purple lung star with a bright orange radiant um star that goes around it and this the the orange is their color of protection oh, so wow. i thought you know this is really really wonderful so the first day i go i've got all their fabrics they're going to learn to cut they're going to learn to press and all this good stuff and i had said to the gal in charge how many are coming and she said oh about eight i had
2: 21 oh my goodness (laughs) it just
3: just blossomed and they were from 12 to 82 it was just an age group it was wonderful so what Um, They thought it was going to be a one-day event, ended up being a six-weeks course for them. And when they got the top done, they actually wanted to quilt it themselves. So they learned to use a walking foot and then two of the gals were very artistic and they created symbols that they quilted into the open corner areas of the Lone Star. They did the bear claw, which is their Native American symbol, and they did a butterfly, which is the symbol of a young girl becoming a woman. So it was gorgeous, and it actually was presented at the National Convention in Arizona, I believe, and the Vice President of the United States was there when it was presented to the tribe because it it hung in their National Museum for several weeks before it it came back up here. Wow. and I learned almost as much from them as they did from me.
2: In, I, bet, and it, I bet it was a, a unique learning experience. So I have had, never any had, of those, a, had any of those women had experience with sewing, or were they absolutely all beginners?
3: There were about five out of the entire group that were absolutely beginners. And there's about 12 of them that are constant quilters now everyday quilters they come in all the time some of them have made the lone star i can't tell you how many times they've made the lone star now that's the one they want to stick with that's the one they give as a baby quilt a wedding quilt graduation gift so they're always in and they don't want to change they don't want to change it up they get the, they get the quilt smart interfacing and they do their quilts so
2: it's I was just going to ask you if they were still using the quilt smart interfacing oh. or moved beyond that
3: Um, They've moved on to other quilt patterns, but they still love that Quilt
2: Smart project. It just works really well for them. That is awesome. Well, I know that's not the only one you do, and there's another community that you told me about um, that uh, is a service that got started in your area with one of the care homes. So can you tell me how that came about?
3: That's called Stitches of Kindness, and it's a group of women that meet at the Samaritan Senior Living Home where they make quilts for all these different charities. Uh, There's about eight that meet regularly, and some of them don't quilt or sew. They do all the pressing, and they have one that they introduced me to that she's a retired artist, and all she does is put their colors together for them. So, they meet every Thursday afternoon to cut and sew. And of course, they haven't been able to since COVID, and that's been really hard on them. But the gal in charge, her name is Lynn Alissio, and she heads it up. She meets every Thursday with these, with these gals, and she has several volunteers that come to help. And they donate all the, they do about 100 to 150 quilts a year that they donate to the local ambulance service, the uh, hospice care the hospitals um the uh, child protective services take some of the quilts for the kids and then they come back the next year and they tell wonderful stories of what the quilts meant to some of the kids that maybe they needed that was in a car accident Mm. all kinds of wonderful things and we donate a lot of fabric to them because the cause not only helps the public but it's helping these wonderful seniors that are just kind of lost you know it's when you go into these senior homes you, you just want to find something for them to do that they can enjoy.
2: Yeah, it gives and, them dedicated activity yeah. to enjoy, and it has a good purpose to it. So.
3: Yeah, they love this. So we're very glad that we can help support this.
2: That's wonderful. And um, do you have any other uh, community service ev- efforts that you want to mention that your shop has initiated or overseas?
3: Well, every year at, um, at Christmas, we do a food drive for the. <laughs> for the the local um, humane society, so they bring in dog food or a bag of this or a bag of that, um, and then we give them a discount on their fabrics for donating. and then the staff all contributes they They said that instead of <clears throat> doing a gift exchange, they want to donate to the local humane society. so this the staff gets nice. really really involved in that.
2: So a lot of quilt shops played a big part in mask making this last year. Um, I know you and your customers turned to mask making last spring as well.
3: Yes. When we had to close the store in March, we, um, we decided that we wanted to make, make masks. We, we turned the classroom into a little mini factory. And I had one employee that wanted to come in regardless. She wore her mask. We were all six feet apart. We took all of the old batiks you know how the fabric gets dated. So we took all the old fatigues and we started making masks. We found a pattern that we liked that we could kind of chain do. And then I put the word out on through email to a lot of our quilters that if anybody wanted to help, we would donate all the fabric. And then my husband would cut 50 kits at a time and they would just come and pick up the 50. They would bring them back in their own time. And then of course, if anybody wanted for their own personal use out of that 50, We said, take what you need for your own families. Uh, My daughter is in the healthcare industry, and she was a frontline worker at the local hospital. So we wanted to make sure that her staff and uh, anybody else who was in need of masks, they couldn't get masks at the hospital even. So we made about 2,500 masks, and we've made more since then, but we donated a little over 2,500 masks. The hospitals were calling the VA clinic out here by us was calling, um, the American Legion was calling, there's a senior center over uh, close to us that was asking for them. So whoever needed them, then we had um, healthcare workers starting to call, uh, parents of nurses who couldn't get masks. So we, we just donated them. And some people said, no, I don't, I don't want you to do that. Let me just do a donation to the cause. So they would just, donate money to help pay for the supplies at least and uh, so in the meantime people were calling and wanting supplies so we actually made enough with curb pickup to keep the lights on and the mortgage paid in in the process of doing this so um, it was very rewarding to do that there were so many grateful people
2: oh I bet the need was so great there for a period of time that it was it's, yeah, it was, it was great to see so many people come together with the mask making and making sure that um, their communities really near and far were taken. Yeah,
3: absolutely. And we didn't question where they were going or what they were doing. We just, we just said, here, take 10, take five. How many do you need? The VA clinic, I think we did 300 total for the VA clinic. And, and uh, it, just, it just blossomed. And it, it, was a good, it was a good thing to do. We
2: just yeah. wanted to do that for the community. Yeah. Well, I know, you know, quilt shops, we're talking about community. You're, you're a community and yourself, really, and the shop owners, employees, yeah. you develop relationships and friendships with their customers, and your employees are friends. Um, and I think those mask-making projects gave everybody kind of a shared purpose to focus on um, when we couldn't stop in and see our local quilt shop staff, right. and you couldn't see your customers, you know, face-to-face, um, gave us all something to focus on together and um, yes. have you been able to completely reopen now now we that season is picking back up
3: yes we are we are back and we are open uh we did Michigan was very strict in their mask mandates so we followed the mask mandates up until last week um then they um re- reduced them again so if you've been vaccinated you don't have to wear a mask and we're very mm-hmm. um we're, we're strict about it in the store. We ask, as they come in, they don't have to show their ID, but um, if um, they haven't been vaccinated, we ask them to please wear a mask. Uh, all of my employees are high risk. We've all been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I, have two, I have two employees that are not coming back. One actually did lose her husband to COVID last fall. And so she's leaving the community. She's going to, to live with family. And the other one is uh, very high risk uh, because of her cancer treatments, and she's not coming back. So um, it's been kind of a strain with losing two employees when we're low staffed as it is. But we're functioning. We're open, and we're glad to be here, and we love seeing all the customers coming back.
2: Yeah, it's, it's good to see faces and smiles yeah. again, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it
3: is. And that we make kind of a joke about it. Oh, no, I can see you. Hi. You look <laughs> great. You <know? laughs>
2: well, Renee, I want to thank you again for sharing all of this with me today. And I can't wait until I get back to northern Michigan again to come and visit oh. you. So oh, I hope you do. It's been do. years since I've been up in that area, but I would love to come and see your shop. So, oh, great. All of us here at American Patchwork and Quilting wish you and your employees and your family great success and good health this year.
3: Thank you very much. It was wonderful to be here.
0: Thanks so much, Doris. We'll link to the store and some of the charity programs that they talked about in the interview in our show notes. Before we leave today, I just wanted to remind all of our listeners about a special subscription offer that's just for our podcast listeners you get one year of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine delivered right to your door for 60% off. And if you subscribe soon, you'll be sure to get our December issue, which we're working on right now. It has gorgeous holiday quilts, an extended gift guide of amazing products, and even a handmade gifting story with easy patterns you can make in multiples. This is one of my favorite issues we've done, so I don't want you to miss out. We have the special link in our show notes for subscribing, so make sure to check it out. Everyone have a great week.